John chapter 17. Actually, let me just set this up. Today we're launching out, thank you, sis. We're launching out into a brand new series today that I am super excited about. It's called Written in Red. How many know what I'm talking about when I say written in red? written in red, it's because, at least in my Bible, uh, every time that Jesus spoke and the words that he said, they're illuminated in red. And so it draws our attention to the letters, the sentences, the paragraphs that are written in red. So we are going to launch out into about a six-week study of the words of Jesus and all that he had to say. How many believe that whatever Jesus has to say, we ought to listen to? And that whatever Jesus has to say, we ought to do? And so this is my approach to this series. Don't miss it and invite your friends. John 17, verse 20. I do not pray for these alone. He's actually speaking of the disciples that were living at the time of his time on earth. He says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Father, we thank you for your word. And Jesus, for everything that you said, I believe every word is valuable. And it will help us to live this life that we're called to live. And so, Lord, as we take the time and dedicate the time over these next six weeks to really examine closely the words that you've spoken, I pray, God, that it would illuminate our path and it would propel us into our destiny. Today, God, let your word be accomplished in our hearts and in our lives. As we pray this in Jesus' powerful name, amen. amen. Of all the words written in the Word of God, every word is valuable, every word is important, but the words of Jesus, wow, life-changing words, aren't they? Some of the best words you'll ever read, we will focus on these next six weeks. Have you ever heard someone say, I've got good news and I've got bad news? they've ever heard somebody say that. Well, I'm going to tell you a story about some good news and some bad news. There were two old guys, Virgil and Dale, sitting on a park bench feeding pigeons and talking about baseball just like they did every day. Virgil turns to Dale and says, do you think there's baseball in heaven? Dale thinks for a minute and he replies, I don't know, Virgil. But let's make a deal. If I die first, I'll come back and I'll tell you. And if you die first, you come back and you tell me. They shake on it and, wouldn't you know, just a few months go by and poor Virgil passes on. One day soon afterward, Dale is sitting on the park bench feeding the pigeons all by himself. When he hears a voice whisper into his ear, Dale, Dale. Dale pipes up and he says, Virgil, is that you? 
Yeah, yeah, it's me, whispers the spirit of Virgil. Dale is completely blown away at this point, and he says, so tell me, is there baseball in heaven? Well, Virgil says, I've got good news, and I've got bad news. Virgil says, well, tell me the good news first. Virgil says, well, it turns out there is, in fact, baseball in heaven. How many would be glad about that? A little bit of baseball in heaven? So Dale gets all excited and he shouts, that's great. So what news could be so bad as to ruin this good news? Virgil whispers back, you're pitching Friday. (laughs) A little bit of good news. And a little bit of bad news. However, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you're ready to go to heaven, it would be good news and it would be better news. Because I'm ready to go to heaven and I'm ready to pitch or I'm ready to bat or I'm ready to do whatever I'm going to do in heaven. But I do know this, that there is coming a day when we are going to heaven and what a day that will be. Today, I just want to bring you some good news Jesus loves you, and I want you to think about this. This is what triggered this whole thought process of a written in red series. I was reading this chapter in John 17, and I had an epiphany. It was a a moment, Robert. It was a moment. Everything changed for me. I realized Jesus was praying for me before I was even born, before I was even conceived. Before, folks, we even entered into the picture, Jesus was praying for us. Now, remember, prayer is just simple communication. That's why I've entitled this message, Jesus' Communication for Us. He was communicating on my behalf, praying to the Father for me, before I was even here. No better person could pray for us than Jesus. His prayers are better than Billy Graham's, aren't they? Better than any evangelist that comes down the pike. The prayers that Jesus prays for you are better than the greatest prayer warrior that you could call at three in the morning. Better than your parents' prayers. Better than your pastor's prayers. Jesus praying for you. John chapter 17 records this prayer that Jesus prayed. This particular prayer, this particular chapter is actually a breakdown in three areas of Jesus' prayer. He started off praying for himself. He transitioned to praying for the disciples that were alive at that time. And then he transitions again to pray for those who would believe in him. And that's a prayer for you. That's a prayer for me. Wow. So I want us today to look closely at Jesus' communication for us. Jot down a few notes that I believe will be helpful to you. What's this prayer all about? What was Jesus trying to communicate about? I believe, first of all, it was a prayer for glory. A prayer for glory. John 17, starting with verse 1, Jesus spoke these words. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father... The hour has come, glorify your Son, that your Son may also glorify you. 
as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Oh, and now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was done. Do you get the picture here? Do you get the point here? Are you hearing what Jesus is trying to say here? Five different times he says the word glory or glorified. Glorify, glorified, glory. It's a prayer for glory. Listen. When you give credit where credit belongs, glory happens. Dodie had no idea what I was about to preach today. She wasn't in the first service. But God used her in an encouragement, really, concerning healing, Dan's healing in particular, but really it was broader than that. But she said something so powerful about the glory going to God. When you give credit where credit belongs, that is glory. And so, folks, we are to give God all the glory. You are nothing without God, and you can do nothing without the help of God. Sometimes we think we're all that and a bag of chips, don't we? We think we've actually accomplished something when if we would just take the time to remember that we are filthy rags outside of the help of God and we can do nothing without the hand of God. So we should always give God all the glory. It's not in yourself. It's not of your works. All the glory belongs to God. Why do we glorify God? We glorify God because he's the giver of good gifts. And the best gift that he could ever give is mentioned right here in verse number 2. We glorify God for the gift of eternal life. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. Give God glory for the gift of eternal life. What is eternal life? Well, it goes on to say in verse number three, this is eternal life. Eternal life is that they may know you, the Father, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, his Son, whom you've sent. This is eternal life. Knowing God the Father, believing that he sent Jesus Christ, his only Son, into the world for the forgiveness of the sins of mankind. That's simple, isn't it? For God so loved the world. Let's say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's so simple that many times people miss it. The reason we give God glory, especially, is because he gave the gift of eternal life. Why do we give God glory? Here's another reason. Because of the finished work of Christ. Look closely at verse number 4. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you've given me to do. This led me to remember one of a series of words that Jesus spoke 
while he was on the cross. John chapter 19 and verse 30 records three words that Jesus spoke while hanging on the cross. He said this, It is finished. Did he mean that his life on earth was finished or that in just moments, just seconds, it would be? That's part of it. Yes, he was about to expire. He was about to die on the cross. And so his earthly existence would be over. But I believe today that it's far more than just his earthly existence coming to an end and that he was going to die on the cross. I believe that when he said it is finished, everything that the Father had sent him to do and the work that the Father had sent him to do would be accomplished on the cross as he stretched out his arms and hung his head and bled and died for you and for me. The atonement for all of our sins and the sins of mankind throughout history was all accomplished on the cross of Calvary. Why do we give God the glory? Because only Jesus could do what he did on Calvary's cross and pay the price. No longer would they have to kill the lamb. No longer would they have to kill the goat and the oxen. The ultimate sacrifice was offered when Jesus offered himself on the cross of Calvary. The finished work. He said, I've finished the work you've sent me to do. No one else has done what God has done for you. No one else is in the process of doing what God is doing for you. Give God the glory. Come on and lift your hands one more time and just say, God, I give you all the glory. Come on, just give him glory right now for where you are in life, for everything that God has done. It's not in yourself. It's not on what you've done. Give God the glory today. All the glory belongs to God. What is this prayer all about? It's a prayer for glory. It's secondly, a prayer for protection. Number two, it's a prayer... For protection, let's read on. Verse 6, I've manifested, my, uh, I've manifested your name to the men whom you've given me out of the world. Again, he's talking of the disciples that were living at that time. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given to me, and they've received them. And have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Here's the key. They have believed that you sent me. So Jesus says, I I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them Now I am no longer in the world. Watch this. This is a prayer coming up right here. Jesus is saying, now I'm about to leave the world. I'm no longer in the world. But these are still going to be in the world. These are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those you have given me. There it is right there. He's asking God, keep them, protect them. Keep While I was with them, look at verse 12. While I was with them in the world, I kept them or I protected them and none of them is lost except the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. The disciples were given to Jesus by God the Father and they had an opportunity to either receive this gift of God's son or they had an opportunity to 
reject the gift of God's Son. But it tells us clearly here that they received the gift. Just because a gift is offered doesn't mean that you're automatically going to accept it or you're going to open it or you're going to receive it, does it? It's offered and you have, a, you have a choice to make. I'll take that gift or I won't take that gift. The disciples had the same choice. And why wouldn't they receive the gift of God's Son? After all, they saw firsthand the miracles of Jesus, water turning to wine, 5,000 men plus women plus children being fed with a little bit of fish and loaves. They witnessed up close and personal the healing power of Jesus Christ, blind eyes seeing, deaf ears hearing, crippled people getting up and walking again, the lame walking again, leprosy being healed. They made their decision. They're going to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and they would follow him. While they were following him and while Jesus was still on the earth, he's saying, I got your back. I'll protect you. Just stay with me. Just stay close to me. He says, Father, while, while I was on the earth, I protected them. I've kept them. But I'm leaving. So I need you to keep them. Now he's about to leave, and they're still going to need protected. I wonder if you realize today just how much you need protected. There are three powers, three forces that we have to fight against every day of our lives. If you were in the first service, if you would just please refrain from giving the answer right here. But I say this so much that surely the core of La Palma Christian Center would know by now what these three forces are. What are we fighting against every day? The world, that's right, that's one. The flesh is another one. And the devil. Now temptation falls within that. Good to see our friends here, by the way, back Back in the area. Nice to have you here today. So here it is, folks. Jim Nicodem, he wrote a great, great book. If you've never read it, it's called The Prayer Coach. I actually did a, a Wednesday series, a Wednesday teaching a few years ago. But this book is, is revolutionary. It changed my prayer life. It really did. Jim Nicodem, The Prayer Coach. He says that there are threefold evil axis powers. Satan. Don't underestimate his power. The world, don't underestimate its allure. And the flesh, don't underestimate its will. He said this about the flesh. It is that inbred sinful nature that incited rebellion, selfishness, dishonesty, lust, and a whole lot more. We need protection, don't we, from a real enemy a real powerful enemy. We can say all that we want, greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world, and it is so. But you, please, don't underestimate how powerful our enemy is and his plan to steal, kill, and destroy. Where is it found? John 10, 10. Come on, get the memory. Get your scripture put to memory. John 10, 10. It ought to just come up in you. 
The thief comes only but to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. We need protection from the, from the enemy. We need protection from the world. He said, they're in the world. He didn't pray that they'd be taken out of the world. We'll get to that in a second. But we're in the world, right? But we're not to be of the world. So we have to have protection. Or it's like a magnetic force that just draws people in. People you never thought would become worldly. <clears throat> if not careful, they will become just like the world and nothing separates them. Nothing distinguishes them. God, Jesus, is praying for our protection from the world. Praying for our protection from our own stinking flesh. Did you smell something? That's your own stinking flesh. That's my own stinking flesh. Always wanting to rise up. Always wanting to have his own way. I'm talking about every day. So I have to pray, Scott, that I would be filled with the Holy Spirit. If, I, if I'm not filled with the Spirit, I get full of myself. And so do you. And that's not God's plan. That's not God's best plan. God's best plan is that we die to ourselves every day so that the Spirit of God might live in us and the fruit of the Spirit might be produced in us. What is this prayer all about? It's a prayer for glory. <coughs> it's a prayer for protection. Number three, it's a prayer for holiness. You can tell I haven't preached for about two weeks, can't you? I'm losing my voice. Let me read on in verse number 13. <clears throat> now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them your word, <clears throat> and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Catch this. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Here's more of the prayer that I was telling you about. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I sanctify myself that they may also be sanctified by your truth. Did you get this? Jesus said twice right there, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. So I have a question for you today. Why are so many so-called Christians living like the world? And you can't even tell the difference. There's no distinguishing them as a believer in Christ and as an unbeliever that's just living in the world. Jesus didn't pray that we'd be taken out of the world. In fact, he said that he's sending us into the world. But why? So that we could glorify him and let people know about God the Father who sent his son, Jesus Christ. And so we need to be holy. Somebody say holy. holy. We need to be holy. His prayer was for sanctification. That, by the way, 
to sanctify. It's the process of becoming holy. Don't let it freak you out. Don't feel like that's something unattainable. If Jesus called you to be holy, then you can be holy. And in fact, if Jesus called you to be holy, you must be. I must be. He would never call us, Lena, to do something we couldn't do. He would never call us to be something we couldn't be that would be cruel. So he said, Robert, be holy. So we have to say, okay, but I need your help to be holy. You can't accomplish this on your own. You'll, you'll always default back to the flesh. You'll always be drawn into the world. But if we're full of the Holy Spirit of God, we can fight against those, those forces. That's, that's, how we, that's how we can become holy, by the way. Through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. It won't, it won't happen on your own. It won't happen because you, you will it to happen. <coughs> it happens as you submit yourself to God's Spirit, dying daily to your flesh, praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God on a daily basis. Just because you're filled with God today doesn't mean that you're going to automatically be full of God's Spirit tomorrow. You might be a little bit full of yourself by tomorrow morning. Me too. All of us. I get so full of myself so fast. I have to empty myself at the altar of God. I have to put myself as a sacrifice, a living sacrifice. Therefore, my brothers, I beseech you, I beg you, present yourself, Romans 12, 1, present yourself as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable, right? His prayer is for us to be holy. How many want to be like Jesus? You just say, I want to be like Jesus. We used to sing a song called, To Be Like Jesus. All through life's journey, Miss Bonnie, to be like Jesus. You know, Jesus was holy. He was holy. Now, Jesus was perfect, and I know that on earth we won't attain perfection, but how about we just strive for better today than we were yesterday? I just want to be like Jesus. I want to be holy. God, help us today. We need your help so desperately. Help us, God, to be sanctified. Help us, God, to acknowledge clearly the forces that are against us, Lord, and fighting against us. And help us, God, to be holy as you have called us to be holy. This comes from the truth. Sanctify them by your truth. Look closely at verse 17. Your word is truth. How many have your Bible today? Come on, let me see your Bible. Leather bound or on your tablet. It doesn't matter. Just so you have the Bible, you're reading the Bible, you're into the Bible. That's how the Bible can get into you. This is truth, folks. And the truth is what will set us free. The truth is what will help us to be sanctified and to become holy. Read it every day. Study it every day. Meditate on it every day. Depend on it every day and share it with somebody who doesn't know about it every day. Let me close this. What's this prayer all about? Pastor Moses is coming. It's a prayer for unity, really. Number four. The prayer that Jesus prayed before you were even born is a prayer for unity. Verse 20, I do not pray for these alone, just the ones living today, in other words. I also pray for those who in 2013 will believe in me. That blew my mind when I read that. Praying for you and me. 
before we even came to be. Verse 21, that they all may be one. As you, Father, and are in me, and I am in you, that they also may be one in us. Why? So that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I've given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you've sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. And it goes on. It talks about us being united so the world will know, so the world will see, and so the world... See, listen, we're not in the world, or we're in the world, but we're not of the world, right? And so while we're in the world, we're supposed to be united so the world will see, and then the world will actually make the choice to become Christians. You see how that works? It's so simple. But when we're divided, which sadly is a lot of the time, I'm not talking about La Palma Christian Center per se, although if we're honest, we would say that we've had more than our fair share over the years of division. Well, we're not trying to say that we're something we're not. But hopefully we will learn from our past that division doesn't work. It never works. And so we, we, we get divided and we start bickering over things that don't matter. And then we want to invite people to the church. They say, well, why would I want to be part of something like that? But when we are united, come on, somebody help me close this thing out today. We're a force to be reckoned with. A united front that we have one another's backs. Is this, am I suggesting for one moment that we agree on everything? No, 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 no. We can agree to disagree. I've said this before. But we're united in what really matters. We're united in what counts most. I saw Peanuts cartoon recently. They don't, they don't really uh, produce the the peanuts and the Linus and all that. I, I love those. But I saw one and it was Lucy. And she was demanding that Linus change the TV channel. You know Lucy, she's bossy, bossy thing. She comes in and she, she demands Linus change the TV channel. And she threatens Linus with a fist. And Linus says, what makes you think you can just walk right in here and take over? Lucy says, these five fingers. Individually, they're nothing. But when I curl them together like this as a single unit, they form a weapon that is terrible to behold. Which channel do you want, Linus says. Walking away, Linus looks at his fingers and asks, why can't you guys get organized like that? <laughs> Church, why can't we get organized like that? I'm telling you, when we come together as one and when we are united in what really matters, we are a force to be reckoned with. There's nothing that we can't do. And Jesus 
was praying for this. He was praying for this. Imagine with me what would happen if this prayer were answered today when we're unified. More lost are found. When we're one, more souls are saved. More believers are discipled when we're united. More churches are built. More bodies are healed. More hurting are helped. A prayer for unity. I want you to stand all across this congregation. And I want you to take someone by the hand. Maybe it's someone you know. We have a tendency to sit in the same place. And so you're probably standing near somebody that you know. But I know for sure we have a few guests with us today. I hope not to make you uncomfortable in any way, but I would love for you to participate with us. Take hold of a hand. Men with women. The young with the not as young as we used to be. Look at the one you're standing near. Look at the one you're, ha you're ha holding their hand. Look, look, look for a moment. different ages, different gender, different background, different nationalities. But he's called us to be one. In him, as he and the Father, the Spirit, the Trinity are one. These are words that Jesus prayed for you. I want you to bow your heads and take a moment and pray for that one you're holding. That hand you're holding, take a moment and pray for them. Pray God's blessing on them. Pray God's favor to come to them. Come on, pray for somebody that you're standing near. You're holding their hand, one on your right, one on your left. You don't even have to know their name necessarily. Pray that God would unite us. One church, one heart, one voice, fulfilling the call of God. Now I want you to keep your heads bowed, but you could drop hands. I have one more question before I dismiss you today. Have you accepted Jesus as Lord? and ask Him to be your Savior. Again, just because a gift is offered doesn't mean you'll automatically receive it or accept it. You have a choice to make. That is to accept eternal life. And you do this by believing that God sent His Son, Jesus. If that's you today and you'd say, Pastor, I'm ready to receive this gift of eternal life. I want to accept Jesus into my heart as Lord and Savior. I want you to lift your hand right now and let me pray for you. Come on, let me, let me pray with you, believing that you will have everlasting life. Is there even just one person? Hallelujah. If you have never accepted Christ, this is your day. This is your moment. God, what you've sent your word to do today, we pray that it would be done. It would be settled and sealed in our hearts that we would be more like you because this is our prayer. 
plugged into a life group, please, please, please get signed up today. There are open homes, open houses, open groups, and we would love to have you plugged into our life groups. It is so good to see you again and to worship with you again and to uh, bring the word to you today. May it be, may it be accomplished in your life. Amen. Pastor Dave, come and dismiss us in prayer. Father in heaven, we are so grateful for your presence in this place and the great things that you've done. And Father, we just uh, commit this our time to you today. We just thank you that you've met us and that you're praying over us and that you love us so dearly. We thank you for all your goodness and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.